Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Great aliens and AI coming down in three, two, and one. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, following the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality, coming to you from the Great White North, and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. Welcome to another episode of Strange Planet. Thanks for sticking me in your ear. Humanity's biggest existential threat is our headlong rush to a technologically advanced future. Already, we increasingly rely on smart devices to the point that they're becoming extensions of our bodies. We're turning... We're at a turning point for our species in which our natural humanity is gradually being converted into an artificial format that will lead to the loss of our souls. And as the late Nigel Kerner revealed in his uh, astonishing new book, the blueprints for this future already exist. This is the book, Gray Aliens and Artificial Intelligence, the battle between natural and synthetic beings for the human soul. We lost Nigel Kerner earlier this year. And uh, to talk about this is someone very well acquainted with Nigel. Danielle Silverman is a UK-based researcher, editor. She's worked for over 30 years alongside the late Nigel Kerner, having collaborated on all three of his books. She remains profoundly inspired by his groundbreaking explanation of the rationale between, or sorry, behind alien visitation, not only defining what these visitors are, but how they came to be. Danielle, welcome. How are you? Thank you. Very well, thanks. And thank you for having me on. 
My pleasure. <laughs> Let's take a few moments and, and, and talk about uh, the late Nigel Kerner. Uh, how did the two of you begin collaborating? Um, well, I met him, uh, as, as you mentioned, about 30 years ago, and um, I actually got introduced to him by a mutual friend uh, who I was uh, talking to about uh, some confusion I had with some religious ideas of how um, a God could exist that could have any involvement in our affairs, but somehow uh, choose not to um, get rid of suffering and problems in the world. It just didn't make sense to me. And uh, that, that mutual friend said, okay, well, you should talk to my friend Nigel because he's got an interesting alternative that you may not have heard before uh, to explain um, how it's possible there can be a God, but not a directive God. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's, how I, that's how, how I got to know Nigel. So I was introduced to him and absolutely captivated by his ideas about that. And, uh, and then he, I got to know about his other ideas about various other things, including um, the alien phenomenon. And uh, yeah, didn't look back after that. <laughs> were you prepared for that rabbit hole that you were about to uh, descend into? I mean, did you have any preconceived ideas about extraterrestrials or interdimensionals or greys or UFOs or anything like that? Not really, not at that time. I mean, for me, it was uh, very much on the fringe. Uh, it wasn't really something that I'd considered seriously. Um, and it was presented very much like that in those days as just a, a kind of weird science fiction type of notion. Uh, but it, it was only when um, I began to understand Nigel's concept of what these things might be that I began to realize, oh, my goodness, this is not science fiction, this is something that could be very, very real. So let's, let's dive into what Nigel Kerner uh, theorized about gray aliens and, and what they are. Mm -hmm. um, this idea that, that they're not, um, well, I'll, I'll leave it to you to explain in, 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 in as easy a manner as you can. I mean, what, what did he believe gray aliens actually are? Well, he took a look at our um, own pathway um, to creating uh, artificial intelligence, forms of technology, which could enable us to um, progress into the future um, and uh, explore um, areas which we were unable to explore with our um, human capabilities. So to, for example, sending probes out into space um, to uh, explore hostile environments that we couldn't go to. Okay. And he looked at our um, very, very um, uh, headlong rush into incredible levels of technology in just a few years. So technological progress in the last, let's say, 100 years is just the same as or far more, in fact, than thousands of years before. It's all squashed into a short period of time. And it seemed to be to him to be a quantum um, degree of progress that we're making. So he, is, he looked at that and he said, okay, so there has to be life in the universe. Even, even mainstream science is saying that we can't possibly be the only ones. It's, it's equivalent to flat earth to say we're the only um, life in the universe. So if that's the case, there must be civilizations that have not only reached our stage, but gone further. And he um, took a look at this gray alien phenomenon as reported by abductees. 
And it would seem that they seem to have no emotion, um, no sense of any um, connection with the human subjects that they take. They seem to resemble more some kind of machine, some kind of um, biological soft tissue robot. Okay, so he concluded from that that maybe there's some kind of probe, very advanced probe, more advanced than the kind of probes that we send out into space near to us, and that they may well have been created by civilizations um, elsewhere in the universe, perhaps who have got to the point we have, but further of destroying their own planet, as technology can often do when it's taken to um, uh, higher and higher levels. And they were perhaps looking for a way to um, further their, um, their existence, but in an artificial format. Okay. So, um, and, and also, um, interestingly, now he said this in 1997 uh, with his first book, Song of the Greys. And it, was, it wasn't really, nobody had really thought of this before at that stage. Now, more and more people are beginning to think in the past maybe uh, five years, this could well be what the alien phenomenon is. And this could well be what we ourselves are heading for, this, a similar kind of right. production. So if they are bio machines, mm. that would certainly make sense of the... The, the pilots of these craft, I mean, for them to survive these incredible maneuvers, uh, I mean, the, the G-force that they would be under, would there was no way any organic uh, entity would survive that. So, But if they are, they are, in fact, machines, that would explain that. Absolutely. And, and that was the, the point Nigel made that really those kinds of G-force to travel. I mean, you're talking about traveling faster than the speed of light. There's no way any biological living natural body would be able to survive that. So exactly. Yes, it, it just couldn't be anything but that. So when we think of our probes like Viking and Voyager and so forth, mm -hmm. uh, they are, even though they're at tremendous distances from Earth, they are in a way tethered to humans because, you know, there, we have uh, control centers and we're in communication with these and, you know, we're communicating to the device to move its arm and so forth on Mars. But with these gray aliens, um, I get the sense maybe what there was like mission creep because they, they have artificial intelligence. They, they weren't just coming here and probing. I mean, they started, you know, scooping up humans and, and uh, analyzing them and was was that an example of mission creep i mean did it get away from whoever designed and and um, sent these entities out into the uh, into the universe well that that's really good question so the thing about artificial intelligence and perhaps we ourselves are facing that dilemma right now once you've created artificial intelligence you you would program it to find all the information it possibly could right to in order to and that's the nature of artificial intelligence right and you would try to also program it um if it was something that uh, you would hope would be serving your interests okay not to be in any way a danger to to you as a living non-artificial entity right 
But the problem is, as soon as you have the levels of connection and intelligence that artificial intelligence can have, which is, it can just make so many more connections than the human brain, okay, which doesn't suggest superiority necessarily in terms of what we might call real value, but just, just computational ability. And it can take on a form that, that yes, as you say, that maybe the original uh, creators may not have intended. It can, uh, it, it will just seek to find out as much information as it possibly could. And it would also need to be programmed to survive in a hostile universe for as long as possible. Otherwise the information gathering program would have no purpose. So, uh, Let's say uh, these artificially intelligent entities, uh, commonly known as the greys that um, abductees have witnessed, arrived on our location in the universe and discovered something here that um, they could see had natural life and it seemed to them to be something rather strange and different in some way to them, because remember they're artificial, they're robotic. We have natural life, but not only that, and this was the key point um, that Nigel made throughout all his books. They detected perhaps something extra that was not physical, that was not atomic, something that seemed to be able to survive physical decay and physical death. And um, we make commonly, we commonly call that, uh, at least religions commonly call that a soul. It's a bit of a misleading term and it has all kinds of connotations um, which aren't necessarily uh, relevant or accurate, but all um, Nigel defined a soul as is a connection to something beyond the physical, connection to a state before the universe, before the beginning of time, so to speak. Because these, so these gray alien entities could have detected there's something that my program just doesn't relate to, can't connect because it's artificial. It does not have that connection beyond the physical. And it doesn't compute. I don't understand it. But it seems to have this capacity to live on past physical death. What's going on? This is so strange. And... Because of that, perhaps they wanted to graft onto that. They wanted a part of that. Whatever they have, we need that because we want to. We're, you know, I don't. Well, I'm. I'm. I guess um, uh, imbuing sort of human thought, and we're, and we're talking about artificial intelligence here. But so they wouldn't be having this internal dialogue. But the idea of uh, grafting onto something that can survive the law of entropy. Yes, exactly. Now, the law of entropy, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's a key point. So basically, everything in the physical universe is subject to the law of entropy, everything physical, it breaks down and decays. The second law of thermodynamics is a sort of cast iron physics rule. So they as purely as a purely physical structure, they would know that they're what they were, and what they were programmed to preserve and um, continue with was going to break down and they have cut they came across something which somehow had the ability to resist that breakdown mechanism 
something that they and and it would definitely be something they would not have been able to make sense of because they don't would not have had as purely artificial creations any concept of anything beyond the physical and you have to ask the question and this is a question that Nigel asked why would on earth would they be interested in us because we don't, they're hugely superior in terms of technological capability. We would be primitive to them. Um, I, I know there's some authors who have said um, they would be interested in our natural resources on Earth. I think Zechariah Sitchin said gold, right? But right. that also doesn't really make much sense because with the kind of technology they have, they could extract whatever they want to extract from anywhere at any time. Well, they've harnessed the power of the sun if they're able yeah. to yeah. travel vast distances and at, at the speed of light, uh, they could create their own elements, I would imagine. <laughs> Exactly. So you would wonder what on earth do they want with us? What can we, could we possibly have that could be of value to them? We would be like insects to them, really, as insects are to us in terms of their, um, their concept of what's useful and valuable uh, in their advanced intelligent form. So Nigel reasoned that, well, if there is something obviously they're interested they are abducting people they've been seen throughout the centuries not not just now but throughout the centuries there's pictures on um caves in australia aboriginal paintings of what they call the wangina exactly like gray aliens and there's stories all throughout history of this kind of being being around us why are they interested what what could fascinate them so much and, and that's how he came to the conclusion. There must be something that we have that they don't. Right. And so, for lack of a better term, a soul that would survive the second law of thermodynamics, um, would that then have led to an attempt at some sort of hybridization program? Well, yes. So that's that's the, um, the next step that Nigel goes on to describe. So how he explained it was that because they don't have what we have, this, this capacity to go on past physical death, they would have see, sought to somehow piggyback on our capacity to do that as natural living beings with a connection, but right back to before the physical universe, to the, the state of what he calls the Godverse, a state of perfection, timelessness, um, non-physical, non no limits, okay? So they would have somehow tried to program their information because all they are is an information field. So it's kind of a mistake, and he would always say this, to view them and anthropomorphize them as some kind of um, uh, uh, group of people that, or, or personal interest that is trying to somehow involve itself with us. They wouldn't have to put themselves as, as entities, beings into us. It's just an information program. That's all artificial intelligence is. So all they would have to do was, would be to somehow encode us or load onto us their information program with the hope that that would continue as we continue through, and, and Nigel believed in reincarnation as um, many of the world's religions do, that we, 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 leave, we, uh, we come into physical life, we leave, we come back again until we free ourselves of whatever restrictions that we've taken on 
um, in our understanding from the time we came away from that state of perfection. So he felt that they were piggybacking on us, putting their programs into us so that we would, would carry them around with us, so to speak, and give them the same eternal prospectus that we have as natural living beings. Well, that was their uh, intention, of course, and as we'll find out, uh, it didn't work. It was a, it's, or it's, and it's not working. It's a rather futile experiment, but that hasn't stopped them from continuing to try over and over. We'll take a quick time out. Danielle Silverman is with us as we talk about the uh, the final book from Nigel Kerner, Gray Aliens and Artificial Intelligence. Back with more of our conversation right after these. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files. And what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Welcome back. Welcome back to Richard's. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Sarah's Strange Planet. So... 
Danielle, this idea that they were going to graft onto us or piggyback onto us and, you know, kind of hopefully go along for the ride is, you know, we uh, passed on physical death, but then to be reborn, the, the, the soul, the continuum of uh, the human soul, but it didn't work out. It doesn't work out. Can you explain why? Yeah, so this is the great irony, and it's such a huge irony that the more they tried to to load us with their information, with their artificial um, data, so to speak, the more they would restrict our natural expression, our, our connection back, so to speak, the more they would lessen our capacity, our freedom to continue as eternal beings. And the more, so if that's going to happen, if they're limiting us by piggybacking on us, by putting their information into us, they would eventually lose that connection that they had with us. The only thing that they can do is somehow try to keep us as close as possible to the physical state of what Nigel felt to be, and I, I would also agree with him, a state of entrapment. Because they are phys purely physical, they can only attach to us and connect to us while we are in a physical state. So if, as natural living beings, um, our, our goal is to get out of the physical state and free ourselves of those restrictions which allowed us to be caught in this physical state in the first place, what the um, Eastern religions call the wheel of rebirth, which you enter into until you free yourself of the restrictions that keep you caught and limited so that you can't have an, a, an expansive view of, uh, of the nature of reality as it truly is with materialism, focusing on uh, selfishness and so on, being caught in a physical, limited individual state. They want us in that state. They need us in that state because they can't get, get to us unless we're in that state. But the more they keep us in that state, the less we give them what they need because they want that connection. And they will eventually con convert us, if we let them, into... Um, something that is useless to them because we will lose that connection. So in order to uh, piggyback uh, on us as, uh, and, and, and capture the essence of what it is to be human, which is to be uh, eternal, or that what it is to have a human soul, which is to be eternal, they need to make us more like them in order for, the, for that handshake. You know, if you think about a, a piece of software and a piece of hardware, uh, they got to be able to do the handshake in order to do that, to make us more compatible. They have to make us more like them. And in so doing, they are really detracting from, uh, what it means for us to have an eternal soul. Do I have that down or? Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly how Nigel, um, I had understood that, that the only way they can connect with us is to bring us to their level, so to speak. Does that involve yeah. actually hacking into our DNA? Uh, it, it does indeed. It involves. Um, so the thing about um, our DNA is that we have a huge portion of that DNA that does not code for proteins. The proteins are the um, what actually makes up our bodies. OK, so the DNA makes the proteins. But something like 95 percent of our DNA 
um, doesn't go for proteins. They used to call it way back when Nigel wrote his first book, Junk DNA. Um, but over the years, they've uh, found that some of that junk DNA actually seems to have um, on and off switches. It seems to control the, the, the 5% that actually codes for proteins. And um, it's, it's quite strange because a lot of that uh, junk DNA is made up of repeat codes. They call them trinucleotide repeats, ALUs, and um, they're just constant repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. So Nigel's idea um, about the nature of all of this and how the greys used um, that DNA to write their program into us is that that 95% is a remnant of what we once were as human beings. So Nigel believed in not the commonly understood idea of evolution. Um, his idea was devolution. So we started off in a state of perfection and over, over time, we got more and more caught in a physical state. So that 95% was once completely used by us in the ancient past maybe millennia ago by whatever species preceded us. And there may be no fossil record of such a species because it maybe it wasn't substantially physical. It didn't have both physical solidity to leave a fossil record. A light being. Yes, something like that. Yeah. So that 95%, which is unused, okay, is kind of a playground. Um, Nigel theorized for the greys because our he, he suggested that when a new um, individual comes into physical life, their own um, connection back to um, the perfect state, which could be called a soul, makes the new body control, forms the new body with the DNA of the parents, but this orchestrates the whole thing. The soul is orchestrating the new body. 95% of that is no longer available, so to speak, to do that. So because the soul doesn't have contact with what, with that um, ancient past, because that soul has become, we've become smaller than we once were, we can't fill that full potential. They can be in control of it through their technology. And they can use um, their technology to, to, if you like, it's almost like a cloning process. They can, they can copy, they can just use it to focus their whatever technology they have to use that junk DNA to just make copies and make, if, if you like, build a clone, cloned being inside us as the soul is forming, as the body is forming, sorry, in, the, uh, in utero. OK, that we are not in control of DNA inside us that we are not in control of that junk DNA. And it's really strange that it is all copies that uh, forms up this forms this junk DNA, um, just chains and chains of copies. And even in evolutionary terms, if you follow the evolutionary pathway and Nigel didn't dismiss evolution, he said he, he used to speak about evolution within devolution. But it doesn't make sense that we would retain all this DNA that we don't use. It, it just it would be rejected because you don't you don't keep um, 
puffs. Of, yeah, like a vestigial tail. A vestigial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that whole process of genetic engineering to make what you might call a hybrid between them and us would take place as the new body is forming. It doesn't take place, he suggested, in the abduction um, scenario. Um, the abduction scenario is something totally different. And he had a completely unusual and unique take on that. Um, he said abductees are those people who interrupt their genetic line. So they come into genetically intercepted lines. And for some reason, uh, as individuals, their souls are don't take into that line. They, inter they, they, um, they can't control them through the interception. Maybe they're and, a disruptor, they're a, an artist, they're a philosopher, they're... Maybe, maybe, or, or just could even be somebody who cares, for, has a real sense of caring for other people and a real deep sense of warmth and humanity, which, which Nigel always maintained was the absolute central feature that, that of the Godverse, of the nature of God in the universe, a sense of of uh, affinity and kinship with other people. So if they so, saw us as a, uh, as a particular lineage, as just a computer program, and all of a sudden, you know, they're ones and zeros, ones and zeros, and all of a sudden they see a, a glitch in that program, that's the, 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 the empathetic person or the artist or whomever, mm. to abduct that person to, to, to rewrite that part of the glitchy program. Yeah, so what, what they would do, they wouldn't be able to rewrite it in the abduction scenario because the DNA is already formed, the body is there. But they, that the experiments that are abductees reports are them checking out what's wrong with the biological line. How come their whole, their, their um, procedure is interrupted? What's going on here? Why can't they control this person? How, how what is it about this person that is enabling uh them to somehow countermand this um, this influence, and it's it's just it's just totally confusing for them. They can't understand it. They can't they can't relate. I mean, there's reports um, from abductees um, that the greys in spaceships they can't understand the concept of human affection. So they they give these uh, hybrid babies that they seem to. Uh, people have witnessed on the spaceship to um, human abductees to hold and they watch watched to see how they respond they just don't seem to have any concept of what's going on in human beings that makes um, makes us different to them and they're constantly looking they watch them holding these hybrid babies and they seem to be studying what's going on in that scenario and not to understand. So it, it's, they have a fascination, it would seem, with um, what makes us different to them, but they try to, they try to somehow observe it as a physical phenomenon and to, to, to figure it out. But of course they can't because it isn't physical, but that's the only data they have. They only have the physical to look at. So it's just a constant, it will be a constant source of, of course, you can't say confusion because that's, uh, but let's say a glitch in their program. They're just sort of, uh, yeah, right. they short circuit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is this thing called love? Can we make an algorithm for that? Exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, 
take another time out. Danielle Silverman stays with us as we discuss the work of the late, great Nigel Kerner. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Danielle Silverman worked alongside the late Nigel Kerner for over three decades in the latest book, his last, Grey Aliens and Artificial Intelligence. The battle between natural and synthetic beings for the human soul. So we talked about how the greys are... Uh, trying to uh, piggyback onto to humans uh, in this futile attempt to um, at at, hu- at immortality really uh, defy the the second law of thermodynamics. Uh, how else, aside from you, we mentioned you know hacking our into our DNA into that ninety five percent that we used to call junk DNA. How else are they leading uh, us on this path towards artificial intelligence? Is that where we get into the use of technology or the overuse and misuse of technology sure well um if they have been giving their information to us that information would include this the incredible levels of technology of whatever their civilization would have achieved that's part of their program so yes of course and it would be the nature of any um species who developed intelligence and who was around for long enough to develop some form of technology. But the levels of technology that we're heading towards, which is taking us on the same trajectory as the greys, would eventually result, and many people are saying this now, in some kind of augmented um, state, which many people amazingly are seeing as some form of evolution, where uh, perhaps we have chips inside us, which augment our mental capacity, um, our physical capacity. Um, We genetically engineer our children to have, uh, just like all that, I mean, it was once science fiction. It's it's very, very quickly beginning to look like science fact. If we do what they did and make our society just like theirs, we are, getting closer in their terms, although they, as, as, I, as, as you so rightly saw, it's impossible for them to do it, to actually um, gain something from us by marrying into us, but they will, in the process, drag us into their pathway, their um, trajectory, faster than we might otherwise have done it. And the most astonishing thing is that so many people in the world feel that this is a great boon, the most wonderful thing, that that we are reaching this new um, incredible stage where we will man will merge with machine. Um, you have Elon Musk's Neuralink, you have so many of these projects going on to merge man with machine. And in fact, um, even the World Economic Forum 
uh, has talked talked about the Great Reset. Uh, right. It's it's not even a it sounds like a conspiracy theory term, but it isn't. The World Economic Forum is talking about um, the fusion of um, our digital, biological and physical entity uh, entities, you know, the whole thing put together so that uh, we become part digital. And of course, the result of that will be the loss if we become more to, uh, artificial of our natural identity. So eventually, perhaps, we will go the same road as the uh, creators of the grey aliens and become purely artificial. Some people might say that's a great thing because all the um, negative animalistic emotions and drives will be gone, okay? We'll be able to think clearly like artificial intelligence. And in fact, I was listening to Joe Rogan um, having an interview um, with Ryan Graves, who's um, a pilot who has uh, has given incredible reports of um, UFOs he was seeing every day while he was um, working for the Air Force, and he said, um, "We're going. We're it's we're going towards a stage where um, it's our next stage of evolution." And I was really surprised to hear him say this because he's usually he seemed to me such a reasonable guy. We're going to our next stage of evolution uh, when we will lose the animal and we, we will be able to think clearly and without all these animal instincts. And uh, we won't need to have real experiences. We can have virtual experiences um, without the trouble of having to go to a place. Everything will be perfect. All the negative emotions will be gone. But what I would say he's not thinking about is the fact that if everything, if it's artificial, if you have an artificial being, you will not be there if there's like there's no soul, if there's no awareness inside the gray to appreciate anything. The more artificial you become, the more you lose your sense of awareness and appreciation. Right. What so, happens to the in the in that event if all of mankind were to be essentially, uh, you know, as we march towards transhumanism and and so forth? What happens to like the Godhead and the ability of the universe to sort of reflect back on itself if we we are essentially you know meat robots? If everyone sure. is a meat robot. Yeah, exactly. So that that's an absolutely key question. So the thing is, the more, although it would be crazy to say that we should go back to a time when we didn't have this technology, and um, just like at the time of the Industrial Revolution, we had there were these uh, they were called the Luddites. They smashed up all the new um, agricultural machinery because um, it was taking away their jobs, and they wanted a reversion to the past. That's not possible, right? But I think as, as time goes on, we have to appreciate that the more we allow technology to take over all our functions, the more we are not using those functions ourselves, and the more we and therefore we will lose those functions. We will lose our capacity to investigate, our capacity to have to, to take on challenge and solve problems. We will lose those faculties um, in terms of um, just virtual and even online communication. If we don't, if we just, everything is virtual, we never meet each other face to face, we will eventually lose that sense of human connection. 
and uh, tactile expression of emotion that's just so meaningful and so powerful. So the more we, allow, we uh, usher in a technological artificial solution to all our problems, the more we are uh, denying our true natural nature as individual souls with a, con a, a connection beyond the physical universe. Is there anything in the artificial intelligence of these, the programs of these bio machines, these greys, uh, is there an end point where they, where the program basically tells them, okay, after a certain amount of time, it's still not working. You know, it's, it's time to cease this operation or are they going to just continue ad infinitum? Uh, I would say, and I think Nigel would agree on this, that they will just continue because as long as there is anything that they can latch into, they will latch into it. It's like, so the, the best way to understand it, and it, it's so tempting to, um, to anthropomorphize them and talk about them, but it's just a program. And it's like gas filling a room, water filling any place, uh, any uh, crevice, on a in the sand on a beach it just flows in wherever they can reach they will reach because it's not really they it's it it's a program it's 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 just a, a set of, a, a data field if you like and it will just constantly flow in wherever we can wherever it can but the the crucial point i feel about all of this is no matter what they do no matter what that that program does and no matter how um, much it might try to encroach into our lives, we are ultimately in control. So even in the in the extent, let's say our planet goes into total overdrive with virtual reality um, and nothing is a real personal human exchange anymore. As human, because we still have that connection back, we still have that freedom, we can choose not to prioritize that pathway. We can choose to make sure that we maintain the most important values and the, and the, and human, and the human connection that is so important. We can prioritize those things. We can still do it no matter what is going on around us. And, and that for me is the most important message in Nigel's book, that if you want to have an antidote to what's going on, you won't find it in changing the structures necessarily of the world, although you could try to do that and it's not a bad thing. It would be great to be able to do that, but you find it within, you find it in your own um, sense of value of what really matters. And that's uh, human value. And, and it's because that's the, the um, only ingredient in the universe that is permanent, lasting forever. Everything else rots and breaks down and decays. Do you think whatever civilization sent these bio-machines, these gray aliens to Earth to do this, assuming that they're still around, um, do you think they'd be horrified at what has become of their bio-machine probes? Well, if, if um, it's, that's an interesting question, um, and I would be speculating, but if, if you look at us now, and if so, we are at the stage where uh, very uh, we could, it's conceivable that we could produce something like that. Okay. And if you look at the general psychology 
of what is producing um, in, in, in our world now, it's there's no sense of necessarily conscience, um, an idea of what it could lead to in terms of um, uh, denying human value. It's just basically all out uh, materialism and trying to preserve um, our, a physical, the physical state in uh, as long as possible. So if that's the motivation, I don't think there would be any sense of horror because once you've got to that state to make something like that, you're kind of denying what really matters anyway if you go at it without any sense of what, what's being lost. So I would imagine no, and I, I don't imagine also that those civilizations are actually around anymore. They would have converted themselves to some kind of uh, gray type entity and they, I would guess, they don't exist in a human level or equivalent format anymore. So. And so maybe that's our future, uh, if we're not careful, that we if will perpetuate careful. this. We will send our version of these biomachines out into the galaxy to some other place and where we will essentially, I guess, dehumanize, if I can use that term, the inhabitants of some other world take away the, the best part of them. Exactly, exactly. And basically that would be what's going on pretty much uni universe-wide if there are other universes or any, anywhere. That would be the basic underlying um, battle, so to speak, between natural and synthetic, between what's natural and comes from uh, beyond the physical state to what's made within the physical state by the natural. And uh, yeah, it's an ongoing battle that exists crucially in microcosm in every decision we make, whether we choose to value the natural, the human, the lasting uh, over the material and the physical. Danielle, great speaking with you again. Lovely to talk to you too. Richard. How, do we get a, how do we get a copy of Grey Aliens and Artificial Intelligence? So if you go to Nigel's website, www.nigelkerner.com, there's links to all the um, major bookstores that you can get online uh, there, Amazon, everything else. So it's probably the best place to go if you want to order the book. <laughs> all right. Thank you again. Thank you, Richard. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com.